Yeah. So again, my name is Patrick, pastoral resident here, and I have a question just to get you thinking. What comes to mind when you think of leaders and leadership? Or maybe what leaders are grabbing the most attention these days? A uh, huge story recently was Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, a leader of our fair and impartial justice system, judicial system, being ex exposed for taking half-million-dollar vacations and some other secret gifts from a billionaire friend of his that he should have declared per Supreme Court rules, but did not. That's a little sketchy. Now, I don't want to pick on just one side of the political spectrum. Here in solidly blue Los Angeles, the fourth city council person in about as many years was just convicted of corruption. So yay, really uh, some stand-up leaders we've got. So much for democracy, by the way. They, the rest of the city council just appointed somebody to fill the seat rather than holding an election. I don't know what to tell you. Now, outside of politics, um, I think regularly in the cinema, we're reminded of the unique hypocrisy of religious leaders. Uh, say, there was Spotlight a few years ago about the Catholic priests and what they've done to so many kids over generations. Just a couple years ago, there was The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Loved the movie, but, you know, those big uh, scandalous televangelists in the 80s, not necessarily the kind of leaders we want. Uh, in the business world... Is Elon Musk destroying Twitter? People can't stop talking about it. Maybe that's just my world because I actually use Twitter still. And people love complaining about him and what he's doing there. Then I hear a lot of my friends, now if you know me, you know I don't care or understand this at all, but people are really worried about the Dodgers this season because of whatever trades they made. And uh, like my friends are like wincing at what's gonna come over the next few months. So a lot of disappointing leadership out there. Now, maybe it's just that bad leadership gets all the press. It can feed our outrage culture. Um, it, it feels like bad leadership is everywhere, but all of these people that I mentioned, they didn't plan to be bad leaders. Like, nobody wakes up and says, I'm going to be a bad leader today and make really bad decisions. But time and again, we see leaders making decisions that serve themselves, first and foremost, or maybe they abuse their power and take what they want from the people they lead. Now, it's easy to think that's a them problem, but the truth is that everybody is a leader in one way or another. You all lead somebody. You're also led by somebody or some things or someone. Maybe you lead family members, a child, coworkers, uh, social media followers, friends. So whether it's an official capacity or not, you have influence. And I'm guessing you don't want to be a bad leader. To become good leaders, we need to confront the reality that we do have influence, that we actually lead somebody or some people in our lives, and we need to make choices to lead well. It, just, it doesn't just happen. So that's why as we begin the Future Leader series, uh, we're talking about a leader worth following. And thankfully, we have the perfect healthy example of leadership in Jesus. Uh, so in this new sermon series, we're going to look at the model of leadership that we see in his life through the Gospels, and why and how he's calling us to emulate that in our lives. So we'll look at what Jesus uh, uses to describe himself in his mission as a leader in the Gospel of John chapter 10, and in that we can learn what makes a leader worth following. So would you just join me briefly in praying? God, I thank you for your leadership, and I thank you for your, your grace and your love in all the ways you lead us. 
Would you join us today? Would you send your Holy Spirit that we could know you more and, um, yeah, and see how you're leading us and seeing how you're leading us to lead others as well? Be with us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. So in John chapter 10, uh, Jesus refers to himself as the good shepherd. Now, this is not just a random metaphor, just like picked a job in ancient times or whatever. He specifically chose this because he was speaking clearly to his Jewish audience who would have known their scriptures. And he's referencing the prophet Ezekiel. Uh, If you love digging into the Old Testament, it's in chapter 34. Ezekiel prophesied against the bad shepherds of Israel who were selfish, who ruled harshly and brutally, who did not seek the stray or the lost sheep. So Jesus is contrasting his own leadership with theirs. Now, hundreds of years after Ezekiel's message to the Jewish people in his time, in Jesus' time, the Jewish people were once again desperate for leadership. They wanted leaders to care for them and to protect them, to throw off the oppressive Roman rulers and the greedy Jewish leaders who were in cahoots with the Romans. So Jesus takes this same image of a shepherd and sheep to show them what kind of leader they should be following. In John 10, uh, it starts with uh, verses 1 through 5. Follow along. I think it'll be on the screen. Yeah. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. So it's beautiful imagery, but it's actually rooted in some, real, in some truth. In traditional sheep-raising cultures, you'll see something really incredible. Maybe they're, the flocks are grazing all together, and it's different shepherds. They're all in one big, beautiful field. But then a shepherd might stand in the edge of the flock, and he'll begin to call his own sheep by name. Maybe he'll play a tune on a flute or some kind of little instrument. One by one, the sheep put their heads up. They respond. They know the shepherd's voice, they hear him calling, they hear the shepherd's music perhaps, and they separate themselves from the larger flock. And the rest of the sheep are left there. So like literally from this whole mixture, that shepherd's sheep will recognize his calling and follow him out. So as you consider being a follower of someone and you wanna know if they're the right leader, there are some questions you might wanna ask. So we'll start with these. Will I be respected by this person? Will I be appreciated by this leader? Later in John uh, chapter 10, verse 14, he goes on to say, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. So in this picture of Jesus' leadership, we see that it's intimate, and it's personal. The one who follows isn't just a cog in a machine or a tool to getting the leader's agenda done. When a leader truly knows his or her followers, their cares, their worries, their talents, and their dreams, and their motivations, those followers will know that they matter to the leader. Obviously, not all kinds of leadership can be that intimate or personal. The larger the group, the shallower that relationship will be, but the narrower the 
when you narrow the scope and you get to really intimate leadership, the deepest effect we can have as leaders is in those closest relationships. Parents and children, couples, close friendships, church community perhaps. People are shaped and formed by other people from the beginning of their lives. Such relationships are necessarily vulnerable, which leads to another question, but let's look at what Jesus says in uh, verse seven. Therefore Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. So another question to ask is, will I be safe with this leader? One of the reasons why Jesus is a great leader is because you are safe in following him. Now look again at verse 8. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Now, if you know your Christian history, I realize the irony that saying Jesus is safe is a little funny because a lot of his earliest followers were martyred. But I don't, think, I don't think that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about the safety of their identity, who they were, just like Jesus, who they were was not in question, even to the end of their lives, if, even if they were martyred. Who they were mattered in how they led others. The great argument in Jesus's culture was over how to be the people of God. What did it mean to be Jewish under the oppression of Roman rule? The threat of annihilation led to two broad camps. There were the accommodationists who thought that they should protect themselves by just assimilating with the prevailing Greco-Roman culture of the day. So they wouldn't be seen as a threat. They wouldn't be messed with that way. Then on the other end, there were zealots who thought being a threat, hating the foreigner, attacking the oppressors and the accommodationists who cooperated with them, that was the only way to preserve their distinction as God's people. But leaders who were accommodationists and leaders who were zealots were both unsafe. Both paths led to the loss of Jewish identity. You can either be subsumed by the culture around you and no longer distinct, or you might veer so far from God's mission that it became the opposite of what he intended. Instead of loving the foreigner, warring against them, cursing instead of blessing the world around you. Now, we live in kind of the same tension today as followers of Jesus. How do we remain distinct as Jesus followers without fighting or hiding from those who most need to know his truth and his love? What society, societal and cultural trends are we vulnerable to? So maybe like what are the thieves and the robbers, the wolves who seek to take us, the sheep, away from our good shepherd? If you talk about accommodation, the wolves of accommodation would see us living according to what philosophers have said is kind of the base of American culture. There's the term expressive individualism. I'm gonna find myself. I'm gonna discover who I am and what my life is about, my priorities, my truth, my decisions. This kind of lifestyle can lead us to separate from meaningful and stable community. You can see in this, there's narcissism that masquerades as compassion. I'm just gonna watch out for myself. I don't wanna force my lifestyle on anybody. Then you have the wolves of zealotry that would wanna see us argue and fight for our position as Christians in this culture. A lot of this happens online, joining that outrage culture that I mentioned earlier. Maybe we can just legislate America back to the Christian values we want. 
I've seen friends, like dear friends of mine, get so addicted to their belief in the right truth that they turn into combative, hateful people and that nobody wants to be around. That nobody's going to experience love and grace through them if they just want to fight about it all the time. Or at least fight with people who don't disagree with them. So where do you see these wolves in your life? In your social world? Have you been vulnerable to them at all? I admit that it's much easier in Los Angeles at times to be an accommodationist, to not ruffle any feathers. But I know that if I want to be salt and light, which is another way that Jesus describes the distinction of his followers, making a difference around me, I want to be a follower of Jesus who is unafraid to love those who are different than me, but still unashamed of what Jesus calls me to be, who Jesus calls me to be. And in doing that, I need his leadership in my life. I also kind of need the safety of the sheep pen, which is the church. None of us have figured this out perfectly. I think if we're healthy, we'll all admit that we have successes and failures in following Jesus, but we can all lead each other toward him more together as a group. And he's safe for us in that regard, for who we are, for who we're becoming and being formed as his followers. Now, here's another question in evaluating leadership. Are you interested in my well-being or just yours? In John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This also has to do a little bit with safety. We know abusive leaders do steal and kill and destroy. They steal your money and fleece the sheep. Abusive leaders in the church manipulate you with false promises about future wealth in order to get you to give. Much worse, abusive teachers, abusive coaches, abusive priests will kill and destroy children's innocence, kill and destroy dreams, kill and destroy potential. Really extreme example, uh, if you want to watch depressing things, is the new Waco documentary series. A friend of mine produced it, actually, it's excellent. It's called Waco American Apocalypse. And obviously, the leader of the Branch Davidians doing really terrible things in the name of Jesus, or so he said. But it's actually a really interesting documentary because you'll see the leadership of those who are trying to rescue the people inside weren't communicating with each other. It's just all bad leadership all around and really fascinating to watch. But you see so much destruction in that story, so much destruction with really terrible leaders. But if you look at the leadership of Jesus through the Gospels, what do you see? He's a restorative leader. Throughout his ministry, we read about him restoring people to physical health, relational health, and spiritual health. His interests in his people are our best interests too. He knows God, his Father, will be seen and known in the world by the health and the love of his followers. All he does and all the ways he leads us is toward those ends. So knowing all the options we have and all the temptations of the wolves of culture around us, it can still be hard to give up our own way of life to follow Jesus, even if we know these amazing promises, because it's costly. It means we have to give up something to do it. Of course, Jesus leads in that way too. He continues in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. 
The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Later on in verse 19, at these words, Jews were divided, again divided. Many of them said, he is a demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? We need to ask a leader, are you willing to pay the price to lead? And time and again, we see that Jesus paid the price in every conceivable way. He diminished himself by coming down to earth as a human, separating himself from the Father in heaven. He lived a life of scorn and shame, rejection and criticism, being openly mocked time and again for being demon-possessed, even as he's the one casting out demons and setting people free. It's oh so human of me to think, eh, it's a really high price to pay, though, to be different from the culture around me, to follow Jesus. But he did so first. And why did he do that? So that I could be included in his flock, so that we all could, so that anyone can. And so we read on, in verse 16, Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Why did he pay such a price? He did so to open up the kingdom of heaven to all. Anyone and everyone is welcome. And so it's important that we ask a leader, will I be included? One of the questions you might ask is like, am I wanted here? Does this leader really want me around? Will I, am I really included in this? The Judaism of Jesus' day was exclusive. The walls were 100 feet thick. And there was basically a sign posted on the gates, Gentiles not wanted. But Jesus said, I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I want to gather like a worldwide community, not just for the people who are already with me. It's not just that Jesus was open to other people following him. It was his whole purpose. It was his mission to open up heaven to all the people of the world, that all people could know him and his father and their love. Which leads us to the last question we might ask a leader. What will my future be like if I follow this person? Jesus wraps up this section starting in verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. This is not just about getting into heaven. It's about knowing heaven right now in this lifetime, in living out what that means. In relationship with Jesus and the Father, we are new people, and our lives will reflect that. So to close the circle from the beginning, we're all leaders, whether we acknowledge it or not. We're all influencing somebody around us, and our purpose in following Jesus also gives us our purpose as leaders to whomever we share life with. We reflect him, we reveal him in how we live. And here's the cool thing, though. We can't fail out. We might fail and falter at times, or like a ton of times, but the assurance of our identities, our future, the purpose of our lives, doesn't depend on our success. It depends on God's grace and love. We don't remain by our efforts, by our weak grip on God. We remain because he's holding on to us with a grip of steel. 
as we grow to know that more and more through our lives, our leadership will become more bold. We'll be more assured of ourselves. We'll stand stronger in who we are, just as Jesus did, knowing that we have something to offer and everyone's invited to receive it. So I want to challenge you to think now, what are you led by? Or who are you led by? And maybe also challenge yourself to think, what if somebody asked all these questions of you? Knowing that we're leaders, assuming you want to be a good one, we need to consider how and where we, we're being led, by what, by whom, and what would be different in your life if you followed Jesus, or if you followed him more in a certain area where you haven't before. Maybe it's time you gave this or that part of your life to him. Maybe it's about money. Maybe you need to consider what it means to be a steward of your finances and generous in a way that the world around us is not. Maybe it's about relationships. Are your relationships marked by forgiveness and grace? That really stands out in the world around us. As we do this, whatever the world reacts with, we know that in relationship with God, we will be respected, we'll be appreciated, we'll be safe. We'll know someone who is completely interested in our own well-being. And we'll be following the leadership somebody, of somebody who has paid a price for us. And we get to be included in this worldwide family. And our future will be brighter than we can imagine. So how would that change the ways that you lead others in your life? This is what we're going to explore over the next few weeks. And for now, I'd like you all to actually just stand up. We're going to wait on God for a moment and see if he has anything for us in prayer. And uh, our band's going to come and lead us in one last song. So all of this is possible, Jesus forming us in our leadership, in our lives, because he sent the Holy Spirit after he left. And we believe by the Holy Spirit, God still talks and is still active with us. So what I'm going to do is just kind of pause for a moment and uh, let's wait on God and ask him to join us. You may have a private conversation with him. He may share a word through one of our leaders. That's open to us too. And I encourage you to just have a little chat with Jesus in this time. So before we jump into the song, let's pray. God, we thank you again for your leadership and how loving it is and how active you are in pursuing us that we would know more and more of your love and that through our lives, more around us would know your love. If there's anything you have for us today, Lord God, we invite you now. Come and speak to us.